everybody. I am Lucas Martel. I am the creator of Walkabout Mini Golf. I'll go ahead and give this a shot. Hopefully, not embarrass myself too much. Ooh, ooh, that's that's. Awesome. I wouldn't have done that. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, and right. yeah, and today we're joined by Andrew Ike. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right. Uh, from yeah, from Alchemy. So correct. maybe you can. Yeah. Yeah. If you want yeah, to so introduce yourself Ike, a little bit. I'm the, uh, yeah, I'm Andrew Ike. I'm the CO Owl and Cable Slinger at Alchemy Labs. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Alchemy Labs makes the games uh, Job Simulator, Vacation Simulator, Rick and Morty Virtual Recality, and most recently, uh, we launched our game this year, Cosmonious High. So very excited to be here. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll take a yeah, shot. Yeah, fantastic. I won't talk while you putt. Ooh, or I will talk. That while was you that was not great, <laughs> but I think I can I think I can make up from that. Now, you've never played this course either, so it's not the... Uh, you, you won't be judged yeah, too harshly on your putting skills. Um, <laughs> there we go. So I'm very curious to kind of hear about the history of Alchemy, because you guys have been around in the VR space specifically for a really long time. Maybe you can just sort of talk about, yeah, kind of how, how Alchemy got started and all that. Yeah, so um, Alchemy Labs was, uh, you know, originally four-person... Um, four-person company that you know made mobile games right and i wasn't part of that that era but early on you know we saw the potential in vr with um you know kind of the dk1 built some experiences out for dk1 for cardboard for some other things and that got valve excited at the time and they were they were building the um you know what would eventually become the vive right and so mm -hmm. they invited us to talk on stage about our experience and then in, in, eventually invited us to create, you know, kind of an initial experience for GDC in 2015. And that experience was Job Simulator. Um, I joined, you know, at the later part of the development of Job Simulator uh, and have been there ever since. But yeah, that's kind of where we got our start. So we've been around since then. And our philosophy has always been like VR of the near and this very, very highly interactive version of, of hands and, you know, kind of um, this like maximalist, like everything you see can be picked up and moved and, and touched. So yeah, that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of where we got our start. Here, let me see, okay. See if I can give it enough oomph. No, not enough oomph. So, oh well. Takes a lot of oomph to get over the hill. Yeah, that. I mean, that's always yeah. been the thing that impressed me the most with your guys' stuff is just sort of like how it's kind of the opposite from a like a philosophical idea. Like, whereas we're doing generally big worlds and the interaction is that you play mini golf right. room. You guys are going very much the opposite of sort of like containing people within a relatively small space, but literally you can do just about anything within that very small you know, subset. Even then, though, when I say that, so like there are a lot of, if you look at Job Simulator or many of your other games, like there's so many various interactions. Like I'm curious, how do you go about planning all of those? And do you actually end up just sort of like, is are every single one of those interactions just sort of like custom designed for how different things interact when you put them together? Uh, so it's, you know, it's kind of, it's a little bit of both, right? So we start, mm -hmm. we start with these custom, you know, these custom designs and then we, uh, and then we go from there, right? So we'll build mm -hmm. an interaction and it will be, you know, for instance, like, oh, it'd be funny if you 
you know, had a copier and it perfectly copied everything you put in it or in Cosmonius High, like you had chemicals. But then we build something systemic on top of that and we see where the players go. And what we're looking for is them to get like, we do a ton of play testing and they get, you know, almost like a sigh of disappointment. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so if they sigh in disappointment, then we go in and fill that interaction out, right? And what we're looking for okay. is, is that delight to be there. And so we, we spend a lot of effort really building um, like these kind of systemic things too, which help us, but there's still a lot of like, we definitely thought about these things. This is why I'm bad at chatting and putting <laughs> or just in real life, I'm bad at putting. We'll, we'll get there on this one. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely think about, you know, kind of how the, how the interactions would play out and namely what would be feel good and what wouldn't. Right. So like in our game, mini golf would feel good, but a lot of times what we try to do is avoid, don't make someone else's game is a lot of times what we say. Right. So like Mm -hmm. you all have created the idealistic version of mini golf. This is great. This Mm -hmm. fulfills the fantasy in probably the most extreme way. Right. The course itself is such a powerful part of what makes mini golf, mini golf and being able to be in fantastical versions is like Mm -hmm. uniquely yours. And we wouldn't do that. So don't make a crappy version of somebody else's game and then lean into what ours does best. So, you know, how are the controllers, which are imprecise ways of picking things up we don't like do tiny little pieces of things because tiny doesn't work well with controllers we don't do that Mm -hmm. so you know in many ways we set up systemic things for the players and then we set up systemic things for ourselves and we kind of go from there interesting so it's sort of like it's kind of like that emergent gameplay but then where it might fall down and it might start to get a little you know, there's an emergent pattern that you actually want to, people to use. You kind of find a, and add some custom stuff on top of that to sort of like right. Yeah, or the if there's an emergent, or if a pattern appears where it's like this is not going to be great, then we, what mm-hmm. we do is we we put a joke in there so that way people don't feel bad. You don't run into the invisible wall. Instead, the invisible wall like almost reacts to you. And that's such a great thing for like that's like classic adventure game like that was something that like LucasArts was doing back in the day where like if you had a puzzle solution that in your head you figured out could maybe work but it wasn't how it was game designed the joke really sort of like made it not feel bad because like oh they thought about that but that's not what they want me to do so that's right yeah, and, and a, we we took a ton of inspiration from LucasArts like if you really categorized our games you know, mm-hmm. into what what they are. A lot of times mm-hmm. they end up being something closer to, you know, what would a LucasArts adventure be, but with your hands, right? Yeah. And we, yeah, we go a little less story heavy than they went, but we're still, right. you know, we're still focusing on that. Like how, the cool part of those games was just like exploring what could be. Right. And you know, and that's funny. I had never even put the two together to think that, like, oh yeah, that of course that you guys have also looked at that or thought about that because that was this. I was making that connection, that one thing. But now that you say it, it makes total sense that that would be one of the sources of inspiration for you guys. Just the early LucasArts games. <laughs> yeah, you got me there because I was like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's heartbreaking, but I, I'll make up for it here. We're gonna we're gonna just say. <laughs> First, first course blues. All right, bogey. So I'll take it. I'll take it. So I'm also curious. 
you mentioned because like Job Simulator, I never played the DK1 or the DK2 version even. So if that was well, wait no, you said that the the Job Simulator. No, was so we more so we five, made so, so you had the hand controllers we, at that point. Right. So we took a game we had called Ah. Um, you know, for the awesome, which was based on another game created by a company, Dejabon, and it was just like a, it was like a base jumping game. That's mm-hmm. what we did on DK1 and DK2, right? So no real gotcha. controller involvement. And then when we saw the controllers, it was like, wow, this is awesome. And actually our CEO tells a story about where he, he, he was actually depressed when he saw the like famous uh, Vive room that they talk about, which is like mm-hmm. the, was it the, the, I, they have a name for it. But anyway, that because he's like, this is so far, this is what needs to exist, and it's so far from what does exist, and consumers won't get mm-hmm. to play that. They'll just be stuck with bad VR. So he was delighted mm-hmm. when he found out they had actually figured that out. But we had versions of the um, of the headset back when the controllers were, like, wired to your body. Okay. So you actually had, like, a VR belt you had to wear, and then mm-hmm. you could, uh, and then you were allowed to VR. That's so, that is so interesting. Yeah, I I guess I was also, um, I'm also remembering now sort of like that early days of, of commercial VR and just like how much I really thought when the controllers, the hand controllers came out, my first thought was like, oh, that's going to be a gimmick. Like that's not really going to add that much. And until you actually played it, until you actually got to experience it, it was hard to just imagine like how much immersion and in retrospect, it's like, you know, slap your head of course that's like almost half the experience right but um and i I think i think the other interesting thing about you know controllers is like like you said you wouldn't think that that was that was the thing that mm -hmm. ultimately it was up to you know it's like you think oh the headset the you know the way the hands were you know the way the head works and looking and it's eyesight that's all of it and like your hands what are you talking about and then it was like oh Mm -hmm. actually you're right hands are what does it like they really make the experience oh yeah totally totally are there any sort of like are there any big technological or software just like what are the things that you think would add that we don't have or that is not quite working that you think would really sort of like take vr to the next level is there anything that you're missing um it's not that we're missing it's that we're in early days of something so alchemy already announced that our next title is going to be uh, fully hand-tracked um, okay. as its primary input and possibly fully hand-tracked as its only input. Uh, and so we really believe in hand-tracking in a, to a degree mm-hmm. that would be, you know, kind of unexpected, but it's kind of like you said, where we're, we saw the writing with controllers, we're seeing the same thing with hand-tracking. And then mm-hmm. face-tracking is also something interesting. So you and I are chatting right now, right? But like... Yep. You know, not to knock on like everybody's avatars has the same problem, which is either lifeless eyes or inaccurate eyes, right? Right. But to be able to actually get facial shapes out of the out of the game and to to see mm-hmm. what you know, to see how what your players are are experiencing and feeling is really going to change you know the way that social VR works. Mm-hmm. Totally. This whole heuristic it's actually, like putting str- it's actually yeah. funny that you mentioned the like the eye thing. So we did a lot of work on the av- on our avatars for this game to actually design around 
some of the limitations yeah. of current VR. And one yeah. of them was actually choosing to not do realistic eyes just because mm-hmm. if it's more abstract, it's way, I'd much rather have something that is low res, but stylized and looks Absolutely. appealing as opposed to when you don't make eye contact with somebody, it's it, the worst feeling in the world. And it just gets into the, just gets into right. And it's almost valley, easier so. to go in and, and patch that in. Right. than it is to yeah. be like, okay, we could take our less, our lower fidelity avatars and we build on that. Um, mm-hmm. But we can't, you know, we can't necessarily build on on these like super high fidelity. You either have it or you don't. Mm-hmm. There's also something. Oh, that worked out really well for me. That, I was like, that um, is such a that is such a pro. I made the game move right there. <laughs> I don't. Um, I was like, I was like, let's just let me just get it over the hill. This will be fine. So. I rem- there's actually been a couple of conversations. I think I even read one on, on Reddit recently, and people were asking about NPCs in VR. And they were commenting that you just don't see many of them, but you guys have done a decent number of those, um, both in Rick and Morty and in Job Simulator you have some, but I remember Rick and Morty, you, I was really impressed with some of the stuff that you were doing with the NPCs in there. Was there, what was the sort of like, was that was that hard, or was that something that you guys sort of like already had up your sleeve in terms of how to make those NPCs work? So it's incredibly difficult, right? So Rick, so Rick and Morty. It's funny that you mentioned those two, right? Because the real innovation, one of the biggest innovations we have in Cosmonius High, our newest game, is actually the NPCs are even better, right? So okay. Rick and Morty. It was our first game ever as a studio using bipedal 2D characters that moved around mm-hmm. and we had to think of lots of things, but like you could never enter the NPC space. So we made a lot of very strategic decisions about how to interact with that, where you couldn't really touch Rick or Morty except for at one point in the game. And then when we, we went to do um, Cosmonius High, we were like, well, part of high school is like high-fiving your friends and being around these people. So we built what was, you know, Arguably, to date, one of the most significant, um, significant like character systems. So you can be mm-hmm. talking with a character. You can throw something to them. They'll catch it. They'll respond in kind, either about that or continue the line if it's important. And not only all of that, but the whole system is built on top of um, a puppetry system. So we don't use okay. mocap. We actually just puppet in VR what they're doing. And we do it for okay. every line in the game. And so we, you know, but it's years and years. So like the, if you look at Job Simulator, right, there are boxes that float. And so we got to learn mm-hmm. a lot in a safe, if safe environment. Okay, we only have these boxes that float. Let's start there. And then it was like, okay, we got the boxes that float. They buzz. You could throw stuff. You don't ever touch them. That's great. Let's put in bipedal characters. Still don't touch them, but we see what it feels like to have them in their space. And then with Cosmonius, it was like, well, technically with Vacation Simulator, we're like, okay, maybe now the boxes can be in your space. And then with mm-hmm. Cosmonius, it was like, okay, we have three different types of aliens and, we, and two of them like locomote across the ground. And what if you could like high five and interact and talk and do all these different things with characters and have all these systems on systems. And what we built was this like wild, uh, wild set of like smushed together systems that work to create these really believable experiences. And we're one of the only games like normally in VR, you get a single high fidelity character or you get lots of low fidelity characters and we're one of the few games with like 
up to like five or six high fidelity characters on the screen at the same time and characters interacted like they talk to each other too mm-hmm. and they like interact so the whole thing makes the world feel believable but it was like what you're seeing is the result of you know six years of progress i mean that is it it seems like a lot of the folks that are having success in the vr space are ones who are doing kind of like that where you're able to sort of like you're able to build a small a relatively small game but then take that tech and build on it and do more with the next game so i would imagine that pretty much everything you do is sort of like you're able to take either all those lessons or do you actually have sort of like a larger your own engine or your, or your own tool set that you're basically yeah, we have to bring some, yeah. so something you developed early on you get it for free we we have something and um you know we have our own tech right At, it's everything's owls right so it's owl tech and owl core right Mm -hmm. and so we have a core Mm -hmm. set of tech that we bring between each and every game um you know so so we're always moving that core along and it's 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 -hmm. been really helpful for us so you know i'm sure there's job simulator things in our latest game that we're working on uh that are just like hanging around code from that i'm sure there's some code that i wrote unfortunately for our programmers um, <laughs> I said the same thing to Eddie. We, like, there's a lot of my code that, that we're gradually going through yeah, and pulling yeah. out. I mean, some of it's okay, but it's sort of like, yeah, it's, uh, I'm embarrassed by it. <laughs> yeah, I think that, like, the cup self-stabilization code is code that's still in there that I wrote, where it's like, oh, a cup mm-hmm. filled with water is more stable than one not. But, yeah, it's yeah. like, um, you know, we've just been building off this alchemy core tech for a long time and so that's that's what helps us our goal is to write as little of it as possible of course because like as you're aware you know the more code you have to maintain the worse the worse it gets but uh totally but you know we do have this these set of things and then it's kind of funny because what happens with us in vr is that we we build a set of code with the um with the expectation with the expectation and all these caveats and then as systems get better we actually Mm -hmm. rip it out so playstation one you know it needed a lot of help to do interpretive things right playstation vr one right well the the latest version of vr controllers are stable they aren't floating away they aren't doing all these Mm -hmm. things that happened previously and because of that Mm -hmm. we actually end up removing code so we're in the same boat right now with hand tracking where we're doing like tons and tons of work and then someday somebody's going to release a device where it's like oh yeah we got like five more cameras on the device and all this extra tracking you're doing for when the hands disappear is irrelevant i was actually just going to ask about that because that's something that um I've we've played around with hand tracking a little bit and definitely gotten to the point that it's like okay for what we're doing it is definitely not accurate and not responsive enough like for to control a club especially when that club is going to be five feet you know beyond where you're at like you need absolute accuracy like something like this is not going to be replaced by hand tracking anytime soon maybe eventually but um uh, is that yeah the main i mean thing i would say i it might be it might be sooner than you think and we have a lot of you know we face similar accuracy problems so we have a lot of the same battle we're doing but much mm-hmm. like right like think about first person shooters right everyone was yeah. like first person shooters can't exist on consoles and then you know gold and i figured out some stuff they figured out auto aim mm-hmm. and then halo really figured it out and so a yeah. lot of what we're doing is kind of what halo did where it's like sure you might think you can't do this but with all the work we're putting in you absolutely can you just have to build a lot of systems like you know auto aim and leading and and yeah. you know predictions and things like that it, the, the problem is is that for a studio that 
like you all were maybe you haven't been building up this library because we did hand tracking back in vacation simulator you're starting mm -hmm. from zero right we're starting yeah. from oh well we solved a lot of problems in vacation simulator and while we're rewriting it all we at least know yeah. what we face totally that makes a lot of sense then well and do you mind me asking and don't i mean i'm not trying to um if you're not ready to talk about it i am kind of curious how far you guys are able to go in terms of like is because even um the hands that you're using in all of your other games are generally um you're not doing fine finger controls you're not necessarily doing gestures it's really you know you're able to sort of like do it with just like a single button or two are you guys following a similar pattern or are you finding that you're even able to do gestural stuff or more detailed finger stuff or is it still mostly sort of like hand has one or two states at this point so so the way that i can best describe it without like you know giving up the, the house here is right. um is that like we've almost taken a step backwards where it's like okay. we actually get to do we we rely less on on like gestures and like in mm -hmm. cuz we could do more diegetic controls right because yeah. now we have fingers like the mm -hmm. on on job simulator right we had this keyboard and it was like big 1 and big 0 and why because you just got mitts it's like you have boxing gloves on Mm -hmm. But now we're finding like, oh, with individual fingers, we can actually have a lot more fine control. So we're focused much more on like the diegetic. Hey, hey, finally, it actually shows Very that nice. I play this game. Um, <laughs> you know, much more on the diegetic, on the physical actions you can take than necessarily mm -hmm. on a bunch of gestures memorized. And it's even yep. more natural, we're finding, than like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I've put, I put my parents, I put a number of people in various games and it's like press the a button and they're like you put a blindfold on me what the hell is a right <laughs> and yeah and then in this case you're like just reach out and grab or just poke that button or just flip that switch and all of that is very very straightforward that's really cool to hear because yeah that's i mean it's kind of been one of my things that i've said for a long time like when people it's like i want minority report you do not want Minority Report. That's a movie where they've taken sort of no. like what he's doing and been able to sort of like make it look like it's all just responding perfectly. But like that idea of just having an infinite number of hand gestures, doing it right. more well, diegetically like, is really, really smart. Why, why does everybody use dystopian fiction, right? Like I've bumped <laughs> into companies that are like, they're like, we want Ready Player One. And it's like, no, you don't. Everybody lived no. in a stack one in Cleveland. Okay, no disrespect for Cleveland. The river did light on fire <laughs> once, but they've they've gotten better. But like, you want to be in these like stacks? Like they people use it as escape or like like you're saying like, Minority Report mm -hmm. was dystopian fiction. It was going to jail for th crimes you had not yet committed, right? So yeah, it just it just so, amuses me. Here's the counter thing though. Tr name me one future sci-fi that isn't dystopian with the exception of star trek this will be the this is the you, quiz okay, portion okay. of the let, let me about. let me think this is good star trek is a star trek is always a great example because it's you know it's always supposed to be the idealistic huh i'll think mm -hmm. of that let me think of that as you as you take your putt here for one second yeah well here this might That's, be the the last putt of our nine holes here it, dystopian, you know, fiction is the lens that is that is used by, you know, sci-fi is the lens that is used to like show show through to society. So I guess you're you're right there. Um, <laughs> that was that's more because me as sort of like my screenwriter side kicking in, a sort of like how do you do a sci-fi without having it being 
somewhat uh, dystopian because that's just the right. Well, and and I guess it's more like the, the the question is is like is is the setting dystopian or is the unit? Because there's a lot of sci-fi that isn't that's like old sci-fi that isn't truly dystopian. Um, oh yeah, like the. You know, but but it's the specific it's the specific chunk that you're looking at. So, and I forgot who wrote the short story, but there's a short short story about uh, living on Venus and the sun only rising one day a year through the clouds oh, yeah. and locking a kid in the mm-hmm. closet. Right? That's not dystopian. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality of living on this planet. So, maybe but, uh, yeah, I think hard too, the sci-fi the, the, like the, the Martian would be another example of one. It's like it's still the Martian sci-fi, wasn't dystopian at all. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and and, that was a very... and to a point like even further like um arrival or is is one where it's not dystopian it's actually like the opposite they're like preventing dystopia true yeah there we okay i needed i needed to have yeah. some positive sci-fi in my life so i need to go back the, and rewatch there you go. yeah but rewatch but yeah but I, you know it's it's just kind of one of those interesting things where i think i think going back to where the the conversation started right is that when you're looking to the future right the goal of a filmmaker mm-hmm. is very different from the goal of a user right yes and it's the it's the famous thing like if you ever see you know actual nasa helmets and movie nasa helmets movie helmets always mm-hmm. have like a row of lights just blasting the actor's face <laughs> why yeah. you you paid 20 million dollars you know to get mad damon in the movie you got to show yeah. the, the actor's face but then when you look at actual helmets, they're like, no, in fact, there's like a visor and a shield to prevent the sun from like hurting their mm-hmm. eyes and all these other things. Because in practicality, like the user experience of what it is to be on this very dangerous thing, a spacewalk has incredibly different goals from, you know, we paid a billion dollars to put this human in space and we're, we don't want them to like re-enter the atmosphere and burn up, right? We want them to yeah. successfully complete their mission and be safe. So I think that's where people get turned around and what they want is the emotion they see like Robert Downey Jr. putting into like throwing away a file by shooting a basket. But they don't mm-hmm. want to actually throw away a file by shooting a basket. Yeah. <laughs> you want that you want and that aha moment. And that's that's hundred percent minority report of just like that. Like, right, oh yeah, I it think just that's looks job, really cool on screen. Right. And I think that's where like the big difference between like what we're creating versus when you hear folks talk about the minority report is, you know, we're building off of user centered design, right? Lots of play testing, mm-hmm. lots of what feels good, lots of what plays well. And then a lot of like role playing instead of asking mm-hmm. what makes you look like you're doing a lot of cool computing stuff. We ask mm-hmm. what makes you feel like you're doing it, right? And so if you yeah. were going to make Minority Report VR, everyone would think that you just have your hands up floating in there. But it's like, no, what was the feel there? It was doing this kind of like deeper inspection and this like detective work. And obviously it was up because the cameras, they, they have Tom Cruise. They're not going to point yeah. the camera down at a desk. Um, <laughs> but for us, we would be like, okay, what's comfortable? And we want, we want you to feel as if you are doing that kind of actual investigative work and splitting apart those files and doing all that thing. And so getting that feeling. And I think like, to what performs best in VR, right? And then I'll stop like rambling on and on. But I oh, think no, that your is game is a great, your game is a great example of this. What does best in VR is, is allowing people to role play right mm-hmm. and, and allowing people to 
not not to do but to be and i think that looking at walkabout because this is where we are this allows people to be but when we go to mini golf we so desire that it is this zany version of the crazy like holes where even even just the the hole design like shoot a ball in the air and have it go somewhere the whole course is designed on how not to lose balls because they're expensive yeah but in this <laughs> it doesn't matter right and so you can build this idealistic version of what it's like to be mini golf mm -hmm. what it's like to do that and i think when you look at the top games what's really performing well in oculus is people asking these questions or not i guess what's really performing well in meta's headsets and and even across the board it's like how can i be this mm -hmm. and that that's the promise of vr and i think that all too often we get too lost in the what is the game of it all and what is like this doesn't feel like a game or maybe this is too game light and yeah don't ask ourselves the question of who cares what percentage game do we have you know all the pick upables we need, although your pick upable system is great. That's not me knocking that. I love it. I have yeah. like a crazy stick. You could tell that I've explored <laughs> it. But it's more like what, you know, instead of like, what are the elements of a game? It's more like, what are the elements of role playing in this <laughs> world that lets me be the person that I want to be? Anyway, that's like totally my general theory of what makes VR great. I have one last geeky question. This is maybe just me sort of like wanting to know, but one of the great things about doing more hand tracking and what you're talking about is that also seems like a really great setup for doing more AR stuff. Is that something that you guys have been exploring much or is that sort of just something you have on, on the radar? It's on the radar, to be to be honest. Like the, the problem with the problem with AR is we really need that valve moment, right? That mm -hmm. that not just the moment where you go in the room and it works perfectly, but the moment where yeah you you come out of the room and you have that same exact room experience with something consumer and i've seen mm -hmm. a lot of ar demos right and i've seen them yeah. in perfect lab conditions do what you would want ar to do but the headset's mm -hmm. too bulky or the optics don't work or this or that yeah and so i'm excited about the like pass through i think that that's a very valid and and powerful way to get us to a lot of the spots that we want to get to with ar but we're still yeah. just not at that spot you know alchemy isn't the company of 15 or 20 years or 10 years out alchemy is the company right. of two years out right and we're yeah. just not at that two years you know when we're looking at like what's one two years out hand tracking that's awesome and yeah. that will feed into ar but that's where that's where our focus and and like lip tracking and you know using eyes and those kind of things those are those are mm -hmm. on the near horizon and then we reevaluate and say is ar there and there in a way that like there's a large consumer base that could support it because mm -hmm. we also need a bunch of people to play it we also need to have that growth and and, and see that for that kind of supportive thing so we're not going to be you know, there are folks that do great work in that, but we're not going to be out in the like, yeah, t you know, five, 10 years from now, this is going to be amazing because we, yeah. that's just not the cycle we release products on. Um, well, I think we need to wrap it up here. So thank you everybody for tuning in. Um, play Rick and Morty, Job Simulator, Cosmonious High, anything else that you'd like to plug, Andrew? Yeah, Vacation Simulator and uh, Job Simulator and Cosmonious High. Those are the those are kind of the big ones. Um, 
they're out, you know, we're doing discounts here and there all mm -hmm. holiday season long. So if you don't see a discount on one of those games right now, they're going to be discounted soon enough. Uh, and if you want to check out those characters and kind of the latest and greatest where Alchemy landed, Cosmonius is the best game to check out. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining us. And yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in. Thanks for having me.